and welcome to a brand new episode of I'm Socially Distancing With. Uh, today we are joined by a multiple slam champion, Birmingham poet, Lotric finalist and recent winner of the Outspoken Prize for Poetry, Jasmine Gardosi. Welcome, hello. Hey, thanks How for having me. Uh, I'm good, I'm warm. It's a warm day, it's the last day of, of Birmingham, of, oh. of UK. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a warm day. It's a warm today. And I'm also joined by Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Uh, How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very excited for this episode of I'm Socially Distancing With. Um, and for any new listeners, uh, my name is Jack. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. And I'm a youth worker here at the Kite Trust, which is a youth organisation that supports LGBTQ plus young people up to the ages of 25 in Cambridgeshire. Um, so what's going to happen is Ryan is going to uh, interview Jasmine for about uh, 30, 40 minutes. And I'm going to open it to the floor uh, for questions. Um, so without further ado, take it away, Ryan. Alrighty, I'll give it a rundown. I'm Ryan, I use a he and pronouns, and I'm based around Cambridgeshire working with the Kite Trust. And I've got the lovely Jasmine Gardosi with me. Jasmine, hey. I'll start you with a little icebreaker question, which isn't too much, hopefully. Um, first question is, has there ever been a time where you're on a holiday or abroad or just somewhere which isn't your home, where you've sort of found yourself isolated or in a bit of a quirky situation? Uh, yeah, um, like okay. I've put myself like purposefully in, in isolation um, once. It was a couple of years ago, I thought, I need some perspective. So my way of doing that was to um, get a Nokia phone, put my SIM card in that so that no one can WhatsApp me or messenger me or anything like that. Um, I got a, uh, uh, a big rucksack, put some food in it with a, a tent and I I I I headed off and <laughs> took a, an overnight coach to Inverness. Um and I just decided to camp wild because you can do that legally in Scotland. I'm not suggesting you do it because if you're alone and it's just it's just a thing. And so I, I just noticed myself, I just followed my feet a bit and found myself in the middle of a forest. Uh, near some mountains near, near Inverness, um, camping wild, eating really, really not very nice nuts and stuff. Um, not wild nuts. Don't eat anything like, don't eat berries. They'll probably poison you. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just having it. Um, I was out there for maybe 10 days. So not a massive amount of time. I'm saying like it was a big thing, but uh, it's just that, yeah, for me, that was a bit quirky. I'm like, this is hilarious. I'm... I'm just in a random wood off the track and I'm in this teeny tiny canvas cotton, uh, well, ca canvas coffin of, of a, <laughs> and um, it's cold and I'm here. What am I doing here? Wow, so, that's pretty unique. Was this a very sort of spontaneous thing or was this something that sort of was back of your mind? I'm going to do this sort of cleanse. Yeah, it was a. It felt like a cleanse. It, I felt like I needed to do it, but um, um, it because I'm I'm freelance. It means that I don't often have time off, or I haven't given myself much time off. So it, it feels quite rare that I'd be able to do it. So I thought, okay, I'm just. I've got I've got like a, ten free days. I'm gonna go. So I I, oh. I just headed up there and um, made the most of it. It, it wasn't quite a cleanse. It, it was definitely weird. 
<laughs> did I come back purified? I came back with a different perspective, which is what I wanted. Definitely, um, I think it's always valuable. I went hitchhiking because I got bored of Ooh. walking so long. Yeah, I see. Um, I mean, so for part, of it, but it was it was just so funny because I thought, okay, I don't want to die, so maybe <laughs> I something. I should go to this village here, which I walked into, and mm -hmm. buy some sharp <laughs> in case I need to stab <laughs> anyone who gives me a lift. Isn't that the crazy? So yeah, so I was just there on the um, putting my thumb up, and <laughs> a lot of cars went past. And if you make eye contact with the driver as they zoom oh. past, you can make them feel bad. Um, <laughs> and I've been standing there for a good like I, I didn't realize, but like after maybe like half an hour, I turned around and I realized a car had stopped and were like waving for me. Oh, and I'd been standing there for like five minutes and they'd be like hi come on you can go <laughs> it was really cute um because i would go into a lay-by um so it was nice it was good i'm not sure what the moral of the story is i mean but... it's always subjective i think <laughs> listen to it, experience it it's all different at the end of the day for every single person yeah um, yeah yes i should move on to a second question which is also a sort of a tamer one for the time being is also i guess leading on from that how do you think all the experiences have defined you um or, all of yeah. which experiences those ones so specifically like all like so the quirk experiences i guess i'd home in on because they're always a bit interesting or just general life experiences how they find you and how do you say you are as a person how am i a person? i like is this an ice question it's <laughs> deep Pardon? <laughs> how how have my kind of life experiences um, define me? Yeah, like if say, yeah. oh, I am like really versatile because of this, or I'm Ooh. really good at communication because of that. I was oh. trying to make this not sound like a job interview, but I'm yeah. sure we'll get into more interesting points later. No, no, this is interesting. It's deep. It's deep. Uh, <laughs> I'll just to it. Um, it's a good question. Um, I um, am creative as hell. That's Super pretty good. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's because anything particularly happened to me. I think I was just born this way. Uh, oh, <laughs> but, I've got Lady Gaga playing in the background now. <laughs> um, I think also uh, I was just given a lot of Lego when I was younger ah. and nurtured. I'm, I'm massively into, like, as you know, poetry writing because, you know, one, one fate-stricken day uh a, a, probably an english teacher went up to me and said oh jasmine this is great you could be a writer and ah. then then on i i <laughs> i was determined to be a writer and it's all there for <laughs> um ah. i am what else am i i'm quite um i think i'm uh how have my life experiences yeah um i think i am i mean obviously growing up queer has um i mean it defines you so much right it, it can't it's interesting because the things that we are mm. we are like just inherently right most definitely and those things will affect what happens in the outside world and then that will affect us and will condition us in certain ways which is interesting definitely um, definitely so I think for me, I've, I have an interesting, this is Duke now, I've got an interesting <laughs> relationship with 
shame, which I'm, mm. I'm, I'm this year I'm starting to unpack. And well, oh, yeah. Year, yeah, I'm starting to unpack a bit, right? Because I mean, it, it makes sense if, if you're someone who, who you don't, you've been kind of subconsciously everything about your surroundings implies mm. that you don't fit mm. and that you are not right that soaks into you i think right definitely mm. yeah i agree with that and then there's this automatic thing of yeah shame of you are not what you should be which yes is... definitely i guess it's not quite common the sort of queer community of like internal homophobia biphobia transphobia and all that variety which is mm. kind of ingrained unfortunately into a lot of people i think right. a lot of people do have to reflect on the idea of shame which stems from them exactly that i mean has that shaped your experiences a bit oh definitely <laughs> i think a lot of people when they're closeted it's quite a bad moment of here and there and it's always sort of a conflict of overcoming shame or understanding why you should feel ashamed ultimately. And normally at the end of the day, or definitely at the end of the day, I should emphasize that there is nothing to be ashamed of in that situation. And <sighs> understanding that it's society that conditions you. See, I said we weren't gonna go in deep, but I went in like as a you, blooming that was, hack. That was an icebreaker. That was like a tectonic <laughs> shatterer. Exactly. <laughs> my subtleness, is never there apparently but I love it, I love it. it's just <laughs> I mean, it's it's so interesting like how even when we don't realize like you know we're talking about imposter syndrome Definitely. i mean that feels like a, imposter syndrome feels like a cute term that's being mm. cute cutified but really like if that's what it feels like on a very deep level um i mean my sexuality is something that i came to terms with when i was about 1920 like very mm. late teens um my gender identity is, is something that i'm only recently now starting to really explore and come to terms with um i mean i use she her pronouns um right now still exploring it so i'm happy with any pronouns really um and yeah it's weird to realize that you've been carrying shame i mean my favorite meme probably is um i don't know whether you've seen it um it's oh gosh i'm so glad i've you know come out with my sexuality i can just <laughs> live my life now and then there's oh, like yeah. that character uh -huh. looking through, from the office looking through the blinds yeah you being like <laughs> yeah. <"I'm in> <laughs> exactly <laughs> have you seen that i don't know yeah, I've yeah. Seen, i see too many queer memes it's embarrassing right. I, I won't lie but, right. Yeah, definitely. And I've been just looking into my past a bit and realizing, whoa, I'm mm. still carrying shame for things like and that imposter syndrome, things that I didn't realize I I was ashamed about. And I'm like, wait, why am I ashamed? Like exactly like you're saying, you don't need to be ashamed of them. But exactly. you're used to it. It's it just camouflaged. Yes. Like exactly. things like just how you were as a kid. I was I was a lot more um i just i was I displayed a lot more masculine traits for example mm. and I, I always assumed even up till now i need to challenge myself in my assumptions that they were wrong in some way mm. or i loved like dressing up in like like 
what we associate with masculine costumes. I used mm. to like shave, like I used to pretend, you know, with toothpaste. Oh yeah. Toothpaste and then it would foam up and then I'd like pretend and I'd put it around my mouth and then I'd like take my toothbrush, which was like, in, and I'd <laughs> pretend to shave. Oh, that's pretty funky. <laughs> it's cool. Um, yeah, and just and and feeling horrible about wearing, being made to wear dresses mm. or like pretty stuff, and just feeling wrong because yes, of that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and it's, I think yeah. Yeah. So um, to answer so... your question of like what, how things have like shaped you, like shame and feeling like you're inherently wrong, mm. that, that can seep through, and then you can carry that around with you with, with with when you're so used. And I wonder if a lot of other people feel, and I imagine they do, like queer people um those who are like whoa i'm carrying around a lot of shame mm. I no idea i was carrying this around it seeps into everything else if, if you're if you so automatically feel like an imposter with something right mm. then suddenly you're more likely to maybe feel like an imposter or be used to that feeling of shame and not identify it and nip it in the bud with other things in your life whether that's to do with your hobbies your career, your relationships, all of that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. And I say it also is because we tend to be sort of creatures of habit and mm. it kind of mm. perpetuates quite easily within a lot of society and things like that. Mm. And definitely things like masculinity and all that. When I was younger, I used to do more or less anything. And then when I became sort of like seven till sort of end of 15, 14 sort of time, that was all subdued and a lot of that is because of society and you feel a sense of shame about it but now right. I'm also like it doesn't really matter that much I shouldn't feel ashamed about it or whatever so I'll go uh, somewhere my nails are painted I'll, I'll do whatever frankly as long as right. you're a good human you're not being horrible you're being a positive <laughs> vibe that's what you need to be I think right. yeah a lot of people just need to be reminded of that and try and mm sort of just hatch off the tethers of shame which when it seeped in it's always hard hatch off the tethers of shame oh yeah it's just like it's so emotional <laughs> <laughs> but yes definitely um i shall also focus on your sort of second area apart from spoken poetry which is your lgbtq plus sex ed which you used to offer which I thought was a really interesting thing, particularly with mm. the most recent news, I think it was yesterday, I'm going to date this podcast, um, that they have now made it mandatory in England, which I thought was really fantastic. I wanted to hear what you thought about it. Um, yeah, I didn't see that. <clears throat> I, my my it's, it's been full of um, JKR. I understand. Yeah, um, tell me about this. <laughs> um, well... I know rather little. I believe it's more just saying that uh, all schools, at least they, I'm pretty sure independent too, will have to teach about LGBTQ in the same light, I assume. But I'm also a bit naive on this whole situation as well. Yeah. And so it's not saying that it's wrong and just saying of how it runs down likewise and that it's not like a freak show or it's an abomination or mm. something deadly. Mm. But I believe it will definitely come in a lot of scrutiny, of course, from religious groups and very sort of conservative groups. Of course, I can expect that. But it's yeah. been around in Scotland for a while as well. And I assume they'd follow similar suit. 
yeah i mean i'm i'm so happy about that i mean i know that there was this was something that was there were protests in birmingham um mm-hmm. last year year before something like that um about this and you know andrea ledson had said we don't think i don't think that children should be exposed to this stuff at such a young age i'm like what Oops. Uh, <laughs> what about being exposed to shame exactly <laughs> hmm, which yeah. one do you want yeah and for me this is i'm i'm really happy um yeah really really happy it needs to be part of the institutions it needs to be part of the infrastructure um exactly it's and when it's sex ed for lots of reasons whether it's about consent or just stuff (laughs) um it was always not great i mean well for maybe a lot of people my age Mm. Um, I'm 28, so like, you know, um, talking like 10, 15 years back, roughly, um, there there wasn't a lot at all, mm. but nothing so far as I mean, that isn't that crazy that like the nothing existed in school. You didn't exist in exactly school. like yeah nothing. You you covered like freaking 1066 and like. Normans existed. Exactly. Right? And you do like four or five times as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, bacteria existed. Obviously, <laughs> it's a silly example. Um, just, just trying to grab some random thing like contours and, and you know, I'm just saying, you know, geography and like, yeah, rets, whatever they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They existed. Oh. <laughs> um, people didn't. They no, didn't. Impossible. They didn't. And um therefore you feel like you don't exist right yes definitely not having that representation and literally the only sex ed you would have about gay people or trans people um or just gender non-conforming people or anything just queer people generally is what you see um in the movies or Mm -hmm. in the popular culture and back when i was uh you know that age it was friends right and uh, we all know how problematic that is so mm. um isn't that crazy that was our sex education for definitely about ourselves mm. yeah it's a really fascinating thing and for me i've just left secondary mm. and the sort of same sex stuff we got was only because our form tutor was gay and so oh. she was like this has some representation but of course she couldn't get the whole spectrum of all the LGBTQ stuff and no. it was definitely amazing that we had an opportunity to be like no. direct link which is fantastic no. but it definitely wouldn't have happened if it was a different teacher which I'm definitely sort of um <laughs> sad to hear about and also particularly with school we didn't have any sort of LGBTQ plus societies or clubs anything like that which some schools I do know have um mm. but yeah it's somewhat there but not all the way there but then also stuff like history of like they were just very close friends but they lived together had children sort of thing <laughs> but, yeah. yeah so yeah it's that's definitely cool. moves, which is glad to hear yeah i mean the fact i mean right you shouldn't rely on individual teachers mm. it should rely as you like exactly like you know on on it being part of the mandatory curriculum it Mm. needs to it really 
so much like oh um i think and i think i remember at some point people like oh we, we might offer it as an addition oh i don't know man, man. like someone is is it's not an addition for that person yeah it's exactly. a big thing <laughs> yes exactly and if at that time you're sort of closeted and you haven't actually even started to question it and you just opt out because like, oh that's not me then you still have that inertia or sort of a compact mindset which drags you through and if you still get the LGBT education beforehand even if it may not be relevant it will still aid you in the off chance and that is far more valuable than risking it and just having a whole set of shame right yeah it's it's oh man I run uh, workshops um, in my old school and ah, yeah. like the, the 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 young people I work with, they are like Gen Z are the ones, man. Oh, see, <laughs> you I got on You got this. You, man. I'm so inspired and and real happy. Um, no. Only because of the best teachers. I think it's. I mean, like, I didn't realize this, but Section Twenty Eight was had just been like abolished when I entered high school. What, Jesus? Wow, yeah, 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 that's yeah, quite yeah. something. Wow, I said that in the seventies. The Thatcher time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it was only abolished when I came into high school in two thousand ish, ish. Yeah, um, and yeah. I know this off by heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> read off, read off. <laughs> uh, way to way to go for the live podcast jazz um yeah so you can imagine the knock-on effects that that will have had definitely like, not just a matter of okay it's been abolished boom everything's great and gay and we, we can talk mm. about easily in environments like schools it's it's an adjustment it's a getting used to it's a this is okay now now mm. where what what infrastructure we're going to put in and i I hope that we're seeing that with like we're starting to see these like that long-term work now is my yes, opinion probably definitely. that's why you know you guys are so cool Aww. <laughs> I, think, I think you're also cool as well not just because of that obviously it's not just because of like you know any like older generations um whatever they've been doing it's also because you guys are like awesome inquisitive just standing up for things communicating like i'm talking about you all as if you're one person <laughs> <laughs> we are the collective we have the high mind it's all fine i've got a lot of hope i've got a lot of hope yeah. oh that's really reassuring to hear um <laughs> i'll also guess lead on to another question of with yeah. your lgbt plus workshops of difficulties uh with people whether they didn't have an understanding or they had prior beliefs which had her kind of had to fight over right and help mm. them sort of be enlightened, I guess. And how did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, the most interesting, I mean, one of the challenges, of course, is dis disclosures, obviously. Mm. Um, obviously, that's that's always challenging, but important. Um, the other challenge is, like you say, like just, yeah, um, prior beliefs. Um, I think it's most hard when, depending on the environment in which that person is in, Hmm. Um, so I went to a, a proof, for example, and you could tell the the environment felt particularly performatively masculine. 
a pu pru being a pupil referral unit um mm. and didn't feel um it felt i mean not that many like schools necessarily feel safe but you know this um it didn't feel like a safe environment mm. it felt like if you were in there you had to perform a certain way mm. yeah so you know? sad, sort of regimented you, you had to perform to be masculine you had to mm. be things were gay um, yeah, I you. you know, like, or, uh, things were like lame or whatever that, mm. those, that sort of language. Um, when we walked in to the, to the, uh, to the, <laughs> pardon my language, we, when we walked into the, um, in, into the, into the, the, the building, I think the first thing we heard was who are these pussy holes? So like <laughs> that kind of environment, right? When you're going oh. in there doing like, <laughs> stuff <laughs> um yeah and 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 so you're like we um, i was particular that occasion i was working with autumn dance theater and we have a like a show about sex like oh, yeah. love and relationships um which oh, yeah, is yeah. like so dance and poetry and mixture of all that stuff and we were doing this in their common room this dance this contemporary dance show I right um yeah which you can imagine didn't go off. Yeah, not always welcoming. But like, I'm glad we did it there. It, it, it mm. was rough, <laughs> but you could tell that we were just doing it. We were just we had to just be unapologetic about what we were doing and, and the things, the themes that we were addressing. And exactly. you could tell like th th there's one particular piece there, which, you know, well, a couple that, that talk about like sexuality and one one of the boys wanted to ask about the gay bit, and oh, he didn't know how to ask. And it's just <laughs> interesting how whether like how your how your like how your ability to ask questions and to and to have your mind open and to pr pr prepare your mind to be open to mm. certain, to ask. Questions mm. is so uh, affected by environment and the people around you. Definitely, exact, definitely, definitely, and I guess sort of in a more wider sense of like, yeah, with a class question or something like that, or a teacher sort of wants to ask a whole class for an answer. If someone doesn't put their hand up to start with, nobody else will. But yeah. then you have a lot of chances where a lot of people want to ask a question, but it's somehow sort of uh, too awkward to answer, which I guess is also a bit of. Britishness as well, <laughs> yeah, and not an issue. It's also like your peers and mm. you not wanting to look a certain way around your peers, right? Um, Definitely. Have you, you ever watched any of Samantha Lux's um, stuff on YouTube? Don't believe I have. Enlighten yeah. me on them. I mean, she's um, she's like cool. Um, mm. She's a trans woman who um, kind of just talks about things um like maybe past relationships she's had or just offers advice and stuff like that and uh, a couple of times she's done a series where she'll she'll go on this it's kind of like chat roulette oh um, yeah video roulette where you can just chat to someone randomly online and mm. things will like and you'll just have a certain amount of time to speak to them so what she'll do is she'll and most of the people on here are cis men right mm. yeah or maybe 
teens perhaps and she'll go on there and she'll these people that she's never met and she'll come out to them ah oh. right um and like you're there on the spot and mm. um it's interesting to notice the reactions when Definitely. a guy is on his own mm. versus when like there's two of them or a group of them and how they oh, react fascinating how coming out to them definitely and i don't know whether it says sort of how a sort of the idea of judgment is more of a societal thing instead of like a inherent thing of you wouldn't really judge people as like a toddler well what other people did would you but mm -hmm. when you sort of get to like teens you start of getting like oh why are they doing that that's a bit weird or not that when it really doesn't matter and no one is really born with that sense of that's really weird that's gay and all that and yeah it's definitely it's, fascinating yeah. It's, it's a pressure to like react a certain way in front of your mates mm, definitely definitely because yeah. uh, most of my mates, oh, uh, most of my mates yeah. are like straight cis men or that and i act a certain way sort of around them beforehand i came out and then you have sort of a group of more queer friends you act completely differently around them because you're very liberal by how you want to be and i think that's what a lot of people and i just hopefully assume you as well have a similar experience yeah massively i mean like um performance like performance and especially in high school you feel like you need to perform around certain people i i train in uh muay thai mm. um which is a sort of thai kickboxing um and before that i well i still do train karate um and like Muay Thai is, is a very masculine environment, as you can imagine. And I'm, I'm the only like female presenting person in mm. uh, one of when in the advanced class. And it's interesting how I am around there, surrounded mm. by um, who I presume are all cis men um, versus like going to like poetry nights. Mm. Like, Mike spaces where I'm like people are just we just get it <laughs> yeah you know we're just ourselves we we literally we're just there you know and we're just ourselves and just being yourselves and that freedom to explore yourself exactly and be honest and it's not a big deal and <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely really just liberating and I know a lot of people when they speak of it it's like it's like a rock off your chest like that but it genuinely is and beforehand yeah. i think a lot of people kind of blow that off oh i can live with it i can live with it i can live with it but a lot of people would get to that breaking point right like in fact when i was younger i was so into people pleasing and worried about how i looked to other people right that i i because i was kind of trying to come to terms with this crushing sense of doom in the back of my head that was like mm. oh, i think you're gay <laughs> um, um, that's how it sounded. Um, <laughs> nice vibrato. Um, exactly. And, and I was, I was like, nah. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, like, I'm just going about my stuff. I'm just trying to get on with, with my, with my stuff, with my GCSEs. Exactly. Yeah. My, my life. I was trying to get on with my life. In the back of my head, I'm like, I would rather die alone than be seen to be gay that's the yes. space I was in at that time yeah i was definitely in a similar situation too of Maybe. sexuality Maybe. in a box let's do other things 
like it's not weird that you think you're going to deny yourself romantic love mm. because yes. that's how great the prospect of that shame is definitely and i it's definitely weird to see from like two separate sort of gaps and how it's still the same is quite telling it's and not, well, i don't want it to be like that what are you telling me we're just aggressive no. okay but we're getting better we're getting better I so i just i'm sad that you've also felt like that because you know that's ah. a, a 10 years man like at least i don't know like yeah yeah <laughs> Definitely. Sorry about that. <laughs> ah, no, it's all right. It's all <laughs> mixed here. Listeners, they think one thing, they won't get it. We just have everything. Deep chats, icebreakers, there's no difference. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I should also move on to your more sort of bigger section, which is your spoken poetry, which you've received numerous accolades for. And I guess the first situation which you kind of covered is when you first came over poetry, so I guess I'll move on to the second question of when did you first formally uh, demonstrate your spoken poetry? Yeah, when did I first sort of for, formally kind of start it, pursue it? Yes, that I guess so. Of... There's an event or anything which kind of marks of I am now a spoken poet or any moment that you felt validated. Oh, that's nice. Um, so I went to university in Exeter um and i think that's when i performed my first like open mic there at a oh, event, yeah. taking the mic um which still Very runs nice. and i definitely wow. suggest that you go to it if you're in exeter uh, when we're not in lockdown but it's it's online right now it's great um and I, I performed for the first time in birmingham my um where i live um like soon after that maybe a month or two after that and mm. i was terrified my paper was like <laughs> Obviously, um, it's, there's a mic, there are lights, mm. stage, an event called Hit the Ode, which is uh, ah. run by um, an organisation called Apples and Snakes, which have been instrumental mm. in my development. Uh, a lovely host called Bogdan Piasecki, who is an incredible poet in his own right, and just mm. does amazing things to nurture the poets. So I'm there for the first time shaking 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 and then and then i do a poem um and then another poem and then i sit back down and people seem to like it someone turned around to me and said that was really good mm. you'd be a spoken word poet <laughs> and i'm like thanks <laughs> 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 so, yeah, i think that was a, a good time like, yeah, yeah i'll say that Seems hard. yeah it was a good one so I thought, oh, yeah. I can do this. Okay. I, to this day, I don't know who it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just an person. They're just doing their own thing in life. Don't even realise what they've don't, done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Say so snakes and not snakes, apples and snakes. Apples Is that right? Yes. yes. So that's the forum when I did some research. I came across she, which definitely highlighted the difference. And the importance of having spoken poetry because with texts you definitely struggle particularly in english i guess to convey the exact emotions or indentations which mm. the poet feels and particularly at gcse with like all the poetry stuff they showed us uh the poets ring out because that could be the most accurate way of interpreting it and understanding and having that human empathy with the link mm. which i thought was really mm. valuable um yeah and yeah I, I think a lot of people 
love like love poetry and don't realize that they love poetry because they are maybe taught to think that spoken word poetry isn't real poetry mm. right uh, and at yeah. the same time i think like a lot of people aren't freaking geniuses at poetry but again don't think that they're allowed to pursue spoken word poetry because it's not considered valid poetry yeah. on the page yeah it's not like academia and all that stuff and but it's not a change i hope you know yes definitely i hope it will change and it definitely highlights something which i guess it's been quite deprived for in a lot of poetry because if you read a poem from like 100 years ago you aren't going to be able to get a capture motion particularly with technology you can get spoken poetry a lot further so it's most mm. definitely on that same level if not exceeding just conventional um, written poetry my, my theory is that the reason why like written poetry is considered to be like real poetry and established poetry is because technology until until this you know recent very recently in our life in our in our in humankind technology hasn't existed beyond the page right exactly cavemen would well, i don't know <laughs> cavemen recite the poems orally mm. and then we developed the technology of writing things down so we wrote things yes. down and passed it in circulation like in renaissance and then we developed the press the printing press and then mm -hmm. you can out lots and the technology stayed like that you couldn't share poetry any other way you couldn't exactly. share poetry in a spoken sense but now now with with youtube and, and videos and everything all the digital age now we can actually share poetry in a spoken way like Mm. Like, you know, that technology is now like developed so that we can do that. So that's the only reason, in my opinion, that poetry out loud hasn't been considered the established form is because there was definitely. no way to hear it. Yeah, and definitely. And I believe there's a mirror with this because you have a lot of oral history for sort of the cradle mm. of humanity within Africa. You don't always mm. get all of the African history accurately because a lot of it is oral mm. tradition. And that's very yeah. easy to lose, which is really tragic. And I believe the same would be with poetry of yeah. it's very hard to sustain because you don't have things physical, so it won't survive time necessarily, which is really yeah. unfortunate. But now with technology, you can preserve it a lot better and it can be sent way further, which is really fantastic. Um, I will lead on to the question of sort of, have you ever seen sort of a spike due to technology or so certain event which kind of made you feel more seen or more um covered and sort of how was that like for you did you feel sort of nervous by all these eyes or did you feel it like a challenge um when you say spike um can you elaborate well okay i was saying if there's any sort of well let's say so on apples and snakes was there anything any of those which weren't particularly well comparative to others or anything that we've seen where it was featured on another platform yeah. or any other sort of basis, which made you feel really seen? Oh, nice question, man. Really oh. nice. I like think of all the nice, wholesome, validating questions. Where I can oh. about nice things. Um, yeah, so um, do you know Button Poetry? I believe I do, actually, yes. Yeah, Button Poetry. So um, I think a lot of people have come across them because hmm. they're like, the biggest platform spoken word platform in the world mm. uh, 
Western base, obviously. So a lot of the viral spoken word videos that you'll have seen come from there. So they open um, a yearly video contest. Mm. Uh, so I submitted a couple of poems to them and uh, they accepted both of them, which is nice. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, and and I think I'm the only I was at the time, possibly still the only UK poet to be published by them. Oh, um, wow. Like so that they put my poems online um, and like in the first 24 hours, like one of the videos got more than more views than all of my others combined. <laughs> oh my God. Holy crap. <laughs> That's how big the platform is. You get me? Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> um, but it was nice because both poems were about the first one was called Raise Your Hand. Um, and it was it's basically where I ask the audience. This was in the roundhouse in 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 um, the, in London, and I asked the audience um, to do different things. You, you can view it online. Um, mm. If anyone listening is interested, um, I asked the audience. It's about kind of sex ed and talking about sex ed and the things that we will have done or not done. And raise your hand if you feel uncomfortable talking about sex, for example, and all yeah. those things. And, if you've ever done this or you've ever done that or if you've ever felt that way or if you think transphobia is still accepted bigotry mm. do these things do these things and what happens is there's people don't have to participate some mm. of them do what happens is this collective movement collective shifting where it feels very interactive it feels like a conversation with the audience mm. about these things um and that felt amazing to be seen on a large like just across the world i guess um mm, and the, uh, the other poem was um it's called Un unidentified crying objects <laughs> and, <laughs> um and it's, it's kind of uh it's about growing up gay mm, i get you in a queer in in a, in a like in a well in a school setting just just growing up like it's, it's the poem that i wish i'd heard when i was younger um because it's kind of what we were talking about earlier like yeah. we go around in schools or in, at home and the same way that, uh, you know we were saying before it doesn't feel like you exist or you can exist mm. it feels like there's no oxygen that can exist for you yes like, there's no space for you there's it's no space invalid. for you right there's there's no oxygen you're invalid there's no there's this oxygen is not your oxygen. Um, and that is a very suffocating feeling. It's a very alien feeling. It's, it's like there's no, and so that is basically what that poem is about. And it's about how, especially when people breathe out more toxins of, you know, mm. just disparaging remarks about or gay jokes, you know, trans jokes, we breathe that in. Yeah. It's just there and you don't realise it until these are really fucked up things. Why does this happen? And after all, I just kind of like, I'm not surprised that there's all these issues that I've had. Right, like, no, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when every environment you're in, whether that's your your uh, sibling's car, it's your dinner table at home, which should mm. be a safe environment if it's your school, you're, or anything you're breathing in like these it's swirling in these toxins in in these mm. things that, like again that shame that you know and 
Um, yeah, so that's kind of why it's important for us to speak our own truths and and breathe out breathe out our own air, I guess. Um, exactly. So that's what the poem's about, and it just felt really nice to be able to see the those those are two of the poems that mean the most to me. Mm. Um, and to see them up getting like being viewed by people I've never met, like who I don't know, who are halfway across the world and it speaks to them. I'm like, this is exactly why I'm doing this. Mm, This is exactly why I'm doing this. Like, Mm. you know, poetry like is cool, but this is what I longed for when I was like, you know, young, queer. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, those, those are things. Those are things. Exactly. That's pretty fantastic to hear about. Um, yeah. I guess that's a really great sort of section to end on for me. Oh, so breathe your own air, be free of toxins, <sighs> and just don't let that cycle perpetuate. And I better pass over to Jack, who has some questions. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone! Firstly, like completely love that whole yeah. When you're surrounded by those toxins, but you've got to breathe, almost breathe out that positivity and that sort of love. I think there's some really beautiful things you've both said, um, yeah. which has been incredible. It's been incredible. Um, so I've got yeah, I've got like a few questions that have been sort of emailed in beforehand um, that people have sort of sent in. Um, one question, uh, uh, Jasmine, was about your beatboxing and how did you sort of get into how did you get into that and how did that come about? Ah, oh, nice. Ah, oh, man, uh, I like I like that someone's seen my beatboxing. Um, I, I uh, okay, so I I um. I at this time last year I I couldn't beatbox I didn't know I didn't know what a, a kick drum was I didn't know what a snare was or a hi hat um, and I uh, thought I really want to combine the two um, there there are cool beatboxers like C R Avery that I've seen live um, who I definitely recommend you look up um, but I thought that there's and there's there's more i thought i i love generally i love mixing poetry with different things to try and invent whether you know mixing poetry with audience like i do in in like some just just manipulating poetry in ways and just seeing what it can be i thought beatboxing is something i'd love to work with i i want to mix with music anyway um and beatboxing would be my own instrument i want to see how those things could fuse together the beatboxing and poetry um, so I thought, okay, well, I better learn beatboxing then. So um, I uh, applied to receive some funding from Jerwood Arts. Um, in case you don't know them, please check them out. They're incredible with supporting artists. And I was very lucky to get a bursary to get um, coaching, one-on-one coaching, because I don't want to learn online, you know, YouTube, and then be like, my technique is awful, you know, jazz your shit, you know, get off the stage, whatever. So um, I uh i was lucky enough to be able to have this funding that uh, could pay for coaching sessions from um, a lovely beatboxer and musician called ed Keeter. um so we've been having some uh sessions where i get, i'm still i'm still learning though st- i'm still learning i'm still getting better but i've been getting better and better beatboxing um and then i think last 
week I uploaded, I, I performed my first beatbox poem where I, um, I have written the words so that they can, they are part of the beat. Oh. Uh, I don't know how to explain that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you have to listen. You have to look at it. Um, but where I write things with lots of plosive sounds, like like e b p, like that, all that stuff. Um, bolting back the beta blockers, blitzing booster blown apart, like that. Um, so that, so yeah, so basically just fusing the two, basically. Um, and I'm hoping to do more of that. So yeah, that's that's that's. I can't even remember the question. <laughs> and then, no, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's so fascinating and like just you doing that short little bit. Yeah, really, like the two works so well, and it's like how, why, why has this not happened? Or it probably has happened, but yeah, why isn't this, um, why isn't this well more known? This beatboxing poetry, like I think it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, another question we got sent in was, um, over obviously we had sort of lockdown period and sort of over through this strange times that we're now finding ourselves in. Um, what are three bits of content? So they could have been books, uh, video games, uh, music, um, yeah, videos, uh, any sort of content uh, that you that you watched while over lockdown or that you have planned to sort of do um, yeah, over the next few months. Okay, great. Okay. Um, I got really into Skyrim. Nice. nice. Yeah. I, I know I'm like 10 years late, but uh, I, I had the time. <laughs> Better late than late. <laughs> Skyrim, it's a dangerous drain of, <laughs> of life. <laughs> Just a warning to everyone here. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Skyrim. Uh, the, the TV series that I've watched, is um i may destroy you oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. right Ooh. Mm. oh yeah. yeah um that destroyed me um mm. and I, I think i've been reading a, a few books um um, 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 um like uh, i'm currently reading la belle sauvage which is the uh, the book of dust which is by philip pullman so I was a massive like sucker for Northern Lights and like his Dark Materials trilogy, and so he came out with this book I think last year or the year before, and I'm reading it now and I like it. I'm back to my childhood. Yeah. Nice, awesome, thanks. Um, and another question that we uh, got in, sort of uh, jumping back a few steps, but sort of relating to your spoken word. Um, and spoken poetry work is uh, how do you build that confidence to perform your work? Because obviously, most times you're on a stage, often by yourself in front of people, uh, and I think just the mere thought of that for a lot of people is just like a no go. How do you build? How have you built that confidence? And yeah, what are your tips for people to help build that confidence to yeah put their work out there? Okay, good question. Um, it's exactly that build. Mm -hmm. Like it's it doesn't like exist immediately it can't it's it's a brick by brick process like i'm saying like i was saying before that like when you get on stage that that right that happens um i think um perform it no yeah perform it have someone um family members friend to share it with beforehand then get up on stage 
know that you will be nervous when you get up on stage it's fine but like just rehearse 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 each rehearsal is a brick um get rehearsed even if it's to yourself again and again and again familiarity mm. is a, are the bricks familiarity until you're like you know when you start like i can't get my eyes off the page because i don't know the poem well enough and i'm like and like you know but after like 15 times you're like yeah i'm kind of a like i know the, the next bit that's coming up um when you get up on stage your heart will be absolutely thudding out of your face um and it's it's okay um when you go to um, so many most most nights poetry are are supportive mm -hmm. and um they understand they get it they get what it's like to divulge your soul on stage mm -hmm. even if you're doing a funny poem you're divulging a piece of like what is uniquely you that only you could write those words in that order and it's terrifying it's okay and it's terrifying and the more you do it the more you get up on stage you will be nervous the first time you will be terrified and nervous the second time and the third time and the fourth time the fifth time you will have done it a few times so you will know the nerves the sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth and tenth times you will still know the nerves but you're like okay i i know what this feels like i know i know i need to go to the toilet just beforehand um i know i need to eat something like carby just beforehand because i get the shakes <laughs> you know, my blood glucose level goes down um so you start to know your body it's just build and build and build and build on um until it, that familiarity it's like with anything the more that you practice like the more steps you take as a baby the, like that's how you walk um mm. and it's terrifying because you're doing it in front of everyone else um but that is the way and and it's okay to practice by yourself practice in front of people um they don't have to get it i practiced in front of my mum. she was like the one that i would practice in front of and she doesn't get it <laughs> she don't get it <laughs> uh, but that's fine because i just wanted to try um and you never stop getting nervous mm -hmm. like like if you're not nervous that's a warning sign that you don't care. So completely, completely. Nervous, it, it makes you up your game. Mm -hmm. It makes you be vigilant. Mm -hmm. yeah? Is that yeah. an okay answer? A superb answer. And I completely, I think, yeah, I completely agree. And I'm sure Ryan and some listeners will completely understand that. Yeah, nerves, I think manageable nerves are good it like you said it reminds you that you still sort of care and you know a bit of nerves and a bit of adrenaline helps just up things um and yeah and i think yeah i think it's you those nerves never go away until you sort of stop caring about things you know you hear artists and musicians and singers and painters and they're always nervous about their work and people are like but you, you do it so naturally it's fine um but no always having that nerves i think is yeah it shows that you do care um yeah. And also a great point about the building of the confidence. Again, I think, yeah, it definitely doesn't come naturally. I think it is a progression. Right. And, and, yeah. And I think, I think just, this just came to me now. It's worth saying mm. that, like, I was, I was not a natural performer in any sense of the word. And people mm. kind of maybe assume that I was or am, because I can feel quite well-spoken sometimes. But when mm. I was, um, say, when I was younger, I would, they said, oh, you've got a problem with mumbling, jazz. You don't, you've got, like, I, you have a problem with mumbling. Um, mm -hmm. 
and when it came to you know when you got to read out paragraphs in class right i i would my heart would be like it would be it would be like bolting back down beat up blockers you know like all that so and and you know or even just trying to make conversation with people i didn't know my blood just flushed to my face um and you know when your throat constricts a bit and you're like that was really cool um and it's 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 that familiarity it's just doing it again and again it's 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 the doing of it um yeah so you don't have to be a natural at it yeah yeah awesome thanks jasmine uh we've got time for i've got two final quick questions before the yeah. end i don't yeah. know Ryan, do you have any uh, any other questions or you that you want to throw I think in you've drained me of my questions my knowledge <laughs> is up like a tank so yeah <laughs> That. No, no worries. So uh, my sec my second to last question is um, for uh, for how can how can viewers find out more about you and your work? Where are the best places uh, for people to yeah, find out more about you and to see your work online? That's a great question. Um, so uh, if you want to view like watch my work, um, then go to YouTube and type in my name, Jasmine Gardosi. Um, that's where a lot of my work is, YouTube. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Jasmine Gardosi. Um, sometimes I post samples of the stuff that I'm working on. Um, other times I post pictures of cats that I try and stroke and they reject me on the street. Um, so it, it's, it's, you don't necessarily get poetry there, but you'll get me and the nice. <laughs> so yeah um, and, and then also you can get updated about if i'm doing any live or digital gigs because i'll post about it there same with facebook i'm jasmine gardosi poet on facebook twitter surprise surprise is at jasmine gardosi who would have guessed and and my, my website is jasminegardosi.com do you do you need that repeating at all do you, do you know that it might be jasmine gardosi yeah okay I think it might be Jasmine Gardosi, I think, as well, where we find it. This is great. Love, love, love. Awesome. And my, and my final question for, for, for today is, um, are there any final thoughts that you would like to leave us with tonight after everything we've talked about? Are there any yeah. final thoughts? Yeah, um, thanks. Good, good final question. Um, one thing I want to share, just in this, oh, okay, two things. The first thing, I want to share something just this feels like a really rough time um especially with the news about this book coming out by the certain author it feels like a hostile place sometimes everything um and I, I just want to share a really really quick thing about what my uh friend and fellow poet bethany slynn said which i love mm. about in it, its and it was just very simple it was gender is the biggest should Wow. like mm. yeah that was like whoa because where we live in all these shoulds should 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 and um like gender and and, and shoulds are toxic they keep us in boxes right mm -hmm. um they 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 we should be this way should be better i should be nicer or should be working gender mm -hmm. is the biggest should that we've got happening i think in our society in our world and it's so like insidious so just remember that 
you don't have to should anything you don't need to should anything so yeah um and i think the other thing i'd like to say is um um i've been having some epiphanies over lockdown as you do sometimes <laughs> when you're locked up by yourself um and um one of them is um when i i've been learning a lot about myself and one of the things that i am most realizing is the more i return to who i am before any conditioning or any social pressures is who i am when i'm my, my happiest mm -hmm. um, so what i'm saying is trust your instincts trust what makes you happiest mm. it's it's there um underneath all the social conditioning and uh, i'm taking i'm taking the piss here but one more thing <laughs> um, there's i think what in my opinion there's something called pandemic language which mm. is teachers saying let me know if this work is too much for you all this remote learning keep us updated if this is okay we check it in on each other how's your mental health doing i completely understand that you haven't been feeling good today um i completely understand da, 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 da. like you know this these are tough circumstances i hope that we apply all of that mm -hmm. understanding and that sort of language after the pandemic because everyone's going through a crisis at some point you know, um, like everyone should always be checking in on, is this too much work for you? Is this too much for you? How are you getting on? Whether we're in isolation or not, it's, there are always, we are always at different net, like different cross points of different crises in our life. Um, and it's so it's okay for you to be feeling overwhelmed for whatever your own individual reasons for your whatever your own individual crises pandemics are <laughs> if that makes sense Brilliant. those are some beautiful words and beautiful sentence and yeah I, I completely agree i really hope that language yeah is um is here to stay sort of at the end jasmine yeah. you've been fantastic thank you ever such for coming on. and ryan you've been incredible thank you uh for being Give it up for ryan yes amazing uh it should go to you thank you very much all righty both of you are fantastic humans jasmine thank you for coming and listening to me get at you with deep questions which i didn't entirely attend to get deep and Jack for tying them up <laughs> we broke those tectonic plates exactly <laughs> awesome well thanks everyone uh for joining us and thank you everyone for listening um until the next time we hope to see you another episode of i'm socially distant with um take care everyone this episode was brought to you thanks to sponsorship from gilead